ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the new scoreboard. Joining me once again, Brian Davidson. Brian, how are you today? Boy, these weeks are going by quickly, Nate. Here we are again. Looking forward to it. I'm I'm doing well, thanks. Awesome. Yeah, we are um we're in our third week of this podcast. Um still really excited about it and really pumped. Sometimes you get uh stories about burnout and oh I really don't want to be doing this now but um you know still really super excited about this and um excited about what you're going to be talking to us um about today um just want to recap last week uh we are um we are well even apart from that we are in a series where you were talking about the P's of the new scoreboard Correct. And, and this is all um, – these are all words that are beginning with P. And you and I were talking offline last week and um, initially it was three Ps and you said that over the course of how this program has kind of changed and developed and evolved that it's actually grown to like 10 Ps. It's 10, and, and it, they're like rabbits. I mean every week it seems like there's another P I'm thinking about. So <laughs> – uh, it might be 12 by the time we finish, but we're honing in on 10 right now. So. <laughs> That's great. So so last week, we talked about um, the purpose, the purpose of why you're doing um, sports with your families. And Brian, you encourage the listeners to come up with a mission statement. Again, not for the purpose of, oh, if you write a mission statement, you are perfectly going to follow it every day, but for the purpose of seeing that and just completely being reminded why your family is involved in sports to bring honor and glory to God. And we talked about uh, how the, the statistics, I mean, those staggering statistics of how many parents actually are putting their children in sports thinking, oh, one day they could have a professional career and really just bursting that bubble by saying, you know, the the statistics are showing us that, you know, once your children get out of even high school and, and playing sports in high school, that dramatically drops in college and then how much more so that drops in the professionals. And was it 2%? of all those people who are playing sports now, by the time they get to an age where they could be playing professionally, it's only 2% of them that will actually make it in. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, most people say it's uh, 1% or less, but my research has shown it's somewhere like around, depending on the sport, like Mm 1.4, you know, 0.9, 1.6, depending on whether it's football or basketball or baseball or what that is. Baseball actually is higher simply because it has like uh, single A, double A, triple A. So there's a there's a big minor league system. So those numbers are a little bit more inflated. But generally, it's really right around one, one and a half percent. That's amazing. So in talking about our purpose last week, uh, many families, we encourage them to just go home and rethink about this. And many families, I think this week might be at a loss because their their passion, which is what we're going to talk about this week, uh, we're going to talk about it in two parts, their passion may have changed. Where once their passion may have been to see their child go to the pros or maybe their passion was to 
uh, a little bit of wish fulfillment through their children in sports. In thinking about that, they have, you know, uh, hopefully they've taken an honest look. They've really been praying about this and have decided, man, I, you know, this is wrong, and and I want to understand what a a biblical passion for sports should look like. So today, Brian, within that, you're going to be talking about three kind of sub points within this part one discussion of passion. So I want to go ahead and turn it over to you for that first point for us today. Yeah, no, no, thanks, Nate. And just, uh, you know, a quick point of last week, I think, yeah, we have to have a mission statement because that like, um, gives us our purpose, kind of our plumb line of why our family's participating in youth sports. Um, I told you I'd give you mine this week. Uh, I don't know if I'll give you – oh, that would be a lie if I didn't know, right? Okay, so right here. <laughs> well, so we're, we're going to go ahead and just say that that we've had a change in the week that we <laughs> since we've done this. And so, you know, you feel or, that or- – yeah, <laughs> we we can all like if nothing else, you can use this statement: make disciples. Yeah, right. I mean, because we have a higher calling in our life, uh, we take the great commission. Uh, the emphasis really is on making disciples, and so when we participate in youth sports, we want to make disciples. And as we talked last week, it's intentional spiritual formation plus being on mission with God in the youth community where we get chances to share the gospel and hopefully others will come to know him. So, yeah, that's kind of it. Make disciples. That's your mission, I guess, in a sense. But you make your own for your own family, uh, a blueprint for it. But, yeah, so you set me up kind of perfectly because once we make this change within our purpose, like it's similar to when we receive Christ in our life, like, Everything should change, right? Yeah. Um, beginning with our passion. So our affections, you know, our behaviors, the thing we desire, those will all change when we fall in love with God. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, you know, the, certainly the, the psalm. Uh, 42.1, you know, says it pretty well. It gives, it gives a great kind of picture for it. Let me read it. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? And basically what we want to say is the environment of competitive sports. Yeah. Uh, we we want to have that heart. That totally is just absolutely in love with God. And what happens there is, again, if you remember our foundational scripture that we're really kind of working off and building off of is found there in in Deuteronomy um, 6, 4 through 9. But in 6, 5, you know, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. And then later, as we go to the New Testament, Jesus is asked in Matthew 22, I think it's verse 34, he's asked there by one of the Pharisees. So, you know, Pharisees, Sadducees are having some issues and all. So there's an expert of the law, Pharisee, and he's looking to try to trick God. And, you know, the Pharisees had like, more than 600 laws they had to follow, yeah. more laws and everything. 
And basically, uh, here's here's the um, the question. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in law, tested him with this question: "Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" And Jesus replies, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind." And so. Again, right there, we see that the greatest commandment in all of Scripture has to do with us loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, basically. And, and later on in Luke 10, 27, uh, an individual there asked Jesus how I have eternal life. And again, the response, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so... That's something where we then have to bring in to the environment of competitive sports. You know, we we have to um, realize that what people notice of us uh, is that our hearts (laughs) are really excited about God. And, And I think. If every if people want to just tune us off after the first couple of minutes, I, I just hear this before you tune us off. That basically, it's it's about us being devoted to God, and that uh, devotion isn't a going to church. It isn't having devotions. It isn't um, going to youth group for our kids. It's it's not in those activities, although they might be a byproduct of our devotion to God. But really what we're talking about here is an attitude of the heart. Mm. Do we love God more than anything else? And that right there. If we had to boil it all down for our parenting, our fathering of our kids, when they walk out of our house 18, we want them to love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. That, to me, is the number one imperative for every parent in their training up of their children. Yeah. That's a litmus test. When they walk out of the house, do they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, strength? Because we know having them just try to be successful in life and going to church and youth group all this thing, look at the numbers we gave last week of all the people, you know, that, that college age group, 18 to 20, not going to church anymore and losing their faith. So what happened there? I think it's in our training and our thinking uh, that our training needs to be first and foremost around making sure that um, we train up their hearts to uh, love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, too, you know, we, again, we want to emphasize the idea of, you know, are we always able to perfectly do this? Do we perfectly do this? No, but that's where Christ comes in. And, you know, I know that's your heart and passion too, Brian, is for people to understand that we are going to fail time and time again. Uh, I know next week you're going to talk to us a little bit about um, a story that you have that shows 
how much you fail. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know, and so this isn't a matter of, oh, you know what, I I, I lost. I lost it at the ref today, or I lost it at another family, or I lost it at my kids. You know, and, and so I'm, I must be just done and over with that. You know, Christ Jesus already came and took the place for whatever you are going to do sinfully, past, present, and future, and gave you His righteousness. And so, when you fail, just enjoy the grace that He has given to you and move on, move yes. on to the next. Yeah, absolutely. And what obviously we we'll want to do is we want to sin less, right? I mean, yeah. one of the one of the things we say to our kids in the house is um, Psalm one nineteen nine through eleven. I'll say, "Hey, Gideon, how does a young man keep his way pure?" And he'll give back to me by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So our heart, our behavior, which is like our character and conduct towards others in the environment of sports, which we'll talk more about next week, really is a mirror, a reflection of our heart. So we want to have, you know, we want to be sure that as we become a new creation, right, it's like a heart transplant. Yeah, it goes from self to him. Yeah, and 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 we want our heart to be beating with those things that that matter most to him. So that's why this first part—it's devotion to God. It's an attitude to God because right there, we have to realize that our where do our motivations reside? They reside in our heart. So if if we have an attitude to God, a devotion to God, to love God without our attitude, that will drive, that will absolutely drive our motivations to please God. And and that becomes what we want to arm ourselves with as we enter the environment of competitive sports. We want to be sure that, you know, we can get our heart right before we get there of saying, Lord, I love you. I want others, I want my behavior in the environment of competitive sports to mirror my love for you. Make my motivations be about you today. May I be driven to please you today uh, in this environment of competitive sports. Um, That's just so important. And, and you know, one of the interesting things, when you love something, and let's put it this way, if you love God, a natural outcome of that is to absolutely hate sin. Mm. To absolutely hate hate sin and wow when you when you hear that it, it it can be really helpful and so we want our hearts to have that attitude of love so that we desire to please him so we hate sin and we don't get kind of our hearts are prone to wander yeah and as I said before, remember that some of the really the character and conduct that goes in, on within sports uh, 
can be values that are different than biblical virtues of Christ, yeah. you know, values. And so they, it, our heart can wander, you know, towards other passions too and become astray and take us away from that first one. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm not a theologian, and I don't know the exegesis on this and all, but I, I do know that it was interesting when I read, you know, Andrew Murray and he talked about Abraham and Isaac, mm-hmm. and he, he wondered, I think, um, of whether or not part of that sacrifice of Isaac had to do with the fact that perhaps Abraham, you know, old in life, gets a child, how much he must have loved that Isaac, yeah. that child, you know, how much he must have given it to him. wonder if that didn't play into um, some of the reasoning behind his having to sacrifice, you know, Isaac on the altar. I'm not sure of that, but I do know that that's probably a, um, something we have to do for sport. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I forget, um, who, who said this, um, and, uh, I'm, I'm, kicking myself. And I know Greg's going to kick me later because he says it all the time and he, you know, quotes who says it. So, uh, Greg, if you're well, listening, good, I do, there, it, there you go. There you go. But, uh, one of the things that, um, you know, is, is said here at the church a lot is, you know what your idols are because when they begin to shake, you begin to shake. Mm. And mm. so, you know, looking at the environment, particularly of sports, uh, whether you are a casual observer or whether you're a diehard fan or whether your children are deeply involved and you're deeply involved with them, um, what happens to you when your ruffles or your feathers get ruffled a little bit in, in that environment of competitive sports you know, that you're in with your children or that your children are in? How do they respond and behave and act when they lose a game or when they personally have a bad game, how do you respond and react? And I think that's so telling. What happens when, when your idols start to shake or what happens when these things that we value begin to shake? Do you begin to shake along with them and become, become unnerved and unsettled? Or are you just kind of going with the flow and letting it pass, seeing this as an opportunity to bring glory to God? Yeah, no, no good thought. I mean, and, and that's exactly it. You know, our hearts have a tendency to wander to things of this world. It's called idolatry. Yeah. Um, in, in our key passage here, our foundational passage for the whole new scoreboard, um, and, and the first aspect of the new scoreboard is love God. But Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he says, Hear, O Israel, and I say it, Hear, O Davidson, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And right there, talking about monotheism. And the reason he's doing this is because he's cautioning them. Remember, we've just come from wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, the Israelites. Yeah. And he's saying, now you're going into the promised land and all around you are going to be people that worship other gods. Yeah. And, and the and, and how we make that into a, a modern day understanding is all around us, there are other gods. And one of those other gods is 
sports and yeah. sports can become our idol. That's that is the greatest threat. Okay, to families who are involved in sports, um, the greatest threat to our loving our Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, is sport idolatry. Mm. And then, you know, I, I really don't want people to turn off our podcast right now, but I'd love for them to pause. And and what I'd love for them to do is. Google right now to get a chance or write this down and Google when you get home and, and put it up on your computer. It's a it's a two minute video, just less than two minutes. And it's done by a group called Skit Guys. And it's literally called Idol Worship. Oh, my word. And it, it's, it's about sports idolatry. It is fantastic. So please, like, you can't listen next week if you haven't watched that. So um, I don't know how we check on that, but um, <laughs> so, skit guys, idol worship. Um, and maybe we can also, you know, put a, a little link into it. I don't know how we yeah, can do, we'll that. do that. We'll do that in the show notes. I'll go ahead and make sure I link a, um, okay. I, I link a YouTube video to it. Yeah, well, well, you're super with that. And, you know, basically what we have to, you know, when it comes to idolatry, you know, idolatry is anything, just to assure, you know, like our terms here, is anything that will work its way into our lives and leads really to the distraction of our wholehearted worship and obeying God. That, I mean, that's a, a general understanding of idolatry anything that will work its way into our lives and leads to the distraction of our wholehearted worship and obeying god and you know calvin said our heart is an idol factory yeah and and you know it what it ends up doing is it bestows on a creature the reverence due to god alone yeah or something we've created and, and I think, you know, in, in sports, seven out of 10 Americans either watch, read, or talk about sports every single day. Yeah. We know that sports in this culture worldwide is taking up a lot of our passions. I mean, we could talk about this for a long time. I mean, one of the most incredible examples of this that I've seen recently has been like in the spring, this about, you know, just a few months ago when spring football was going on at the college campuses. And Ohio State had an inner team scrimmage, inner squad scrimmage in their stadium. And it was sold out a hundred thousand people. Wow! One of the students from Liberty University, here where I teach, went there and couldn't get a ticket. Over a hundred thousand people to watch an inner squad scrimmage. Wow! What has gone on? And and the examples again, we could talk, you know, all of, of about those. It's just it's it's very very interesting and Nate. Kind of what the way I look at this is that, and it's similar to what you said, when our passion for like sport becomes an obsession or when our passion for anything becomes an obsession, that becomes idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. So 
wow. Yeah. Maybe we have to just sit on that for a minute and go like, whoa, how how obsessed was I with the Red Sox? How obsessed was I with my kids in sports? But, you know, like just our passion for sport. And, you know, we have to be careful. Like the enemy is deceitful. Yeah. The world of sport, you know, let, let me give you some people have asked me before. You know, why is it that we can get so passionate about sport? Um, and it, there's a, there's many reasons. But let me give you like three kind of characteristics of sport that really kind of um, mimic Christianity and our love for God. Yeah. And the way God created. And they are worship, community, and a cause bigger than ourselves. Mm. God created us for worship. Yeah. To worship him. God created us for community. It's a we have a triune God. Yeah. Heavenly Father, Jesus Son, Holy Spirit, you know. Um and then we were we were called to be part of a cause greater than ourselves. God made us this way. And what's happened, unfortunately, is the world of sports has served as, as a counterfeit for these three attributes, you know, um, or, you know, this worship, this community, um, this cause greater than ourselves. Sport is given that. So we end up going to um, our sanctuaries instead of going to our sanctuaries to get excited about worshiping God, we're going to stadiums yeah. to worship teams and to worship players who become our idols. Yeah. And, and we, we love the, the tailgating and there's nothing wrong with it. We love the community. We literally, if our team scores, we could be high five and are hugging complete strangers around yeah. us. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable when our team does it, you know, yeah. like, and, and, and they're playing. We all like to be a part of something greater than ourselves. And that's what our teams give. I mean, look what the, Cal- the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, it had such an impact on their community. Um, them winning the championship. Same thing, the Red Sox, you know, back in 2004. The same things with the Cubbies. Look at the whole Chicago, you know, community you know looking for the cubs to win it all they're trying to get something from the cubs winning that is really counterfeit it's like taking a bite out of cotton candy you know yeah it it, even if they win it all they're going to get very little satisfaction for a very short time but this idolatry in sport that we're so warned about in scripture probably more so than anything else i mean it's it's the first commandment, right? I mean, like, it, it's something we have to be very, very careful that our heart doesn't wander. It doesn't, you know, go on and, and latch on to something like, you know, sport idolatry. Um, and and th- does that make sense there, Nate? Because um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it's so important that people understand that the call to action. Um, so to speak, that you are giving to our listeners is not one 
where you give these things up, but it's one where you reevaluate what is your involvement in sports? How can you use that to God's honor and glory? You know, and if I might give an example or even a challenge, you know, um, working in so many different places, sports is so huge. I have uh, an advantage and a disadvantage in some way in that I am I am completely apathetic towards sports. I don't like it. I don't hate it. I can take it. I can leave it. And so when people get riled up over their sports teams, it, it doesn't bother me when people are, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm very neutral. And what I think would be interesting to see is this week as your teams are playing, look at the other team and find something good that the other team does in the game. And when you're around like the cooler or something and you're talking with your coworkers, mention that thing that the other team did that was really, really good and see how those people respond to that. Because I found particularly here in Baltimore, nobody wants to hear about anything good that the other team does. All they want to do is if that team did something that was good, well, it was actually bad and the ref should have called them on it and it was horrible. And if our team did something that was really bad, it's oh, you know, that was that was that that was good and you know, it's it's a good thing, you know, that the refs didn't call them on that because they, you know, they should have been able to do, you know. And there's just such a complete dynamic when we get to talking about our teams and passions. And so I would actually challenge and encourage people, look at something really good the other team does. Look at something bad your team does. And when you're all around the water cooler having a cup of coffee in the morning, bring those things up and see how people respond and react to those things. Just as a test for you to see what we're talking about because many of you may not even quite fully know and understand what we're talking about here. Well, and, and I think a great, even a, a better application of that one sense is within the youth sport environment. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine if parents, you know, started complimenting plays by other 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds or yeah. you know, talking to your son or Heaven forbid we started like pick catching the good in the referee. Ooh, yeah. that I mean, but 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 anyway, I, before we go too much into that, you know, that <clears throat> idolatry um, definitely are. I think what you're pointing out is it's almost like blinders on a horse. We can get just totally focused on becoming very biased about our own kids playing our own teams and their efforts. But, um, yeah, I think what we have to say is just we have to ask individually. I can't tell other people, you know, we don't – maybe I, Apple or ESPN could, could help us out here. You know, maybe they could develop a, a mechanism, an instrument where – like an iPad that has a cord. It puts it onto your heart, <laughs> and then the iPad sits above your head – and it has like an ESPN ticker that goes on there, and it mod, it um, it conveys to everybody the passions of our heart. Yeah, <laughs> when we're when we're in the environment of competitive sports, either watching our favorite team or how about in youth sports environment? And it would be very interesting to see, you know, is our passion for pleasing God? Yeah, you know. Or is our is our passion more self centered around 
our team or like specifically here in, in the youth sports, which we're trying to help parents with, is it just around, you know, our child and his making of a name? Because I think what happens is like if we're so passionate about sports, what happens is another form of idolatry is that really idolatry with our kids. Yeah. I, I know that's hard for people to understand times, but it can it can really it, it can drift to um, idolatry. And really what, what that is, is vicarious living by parents through their kids sports. And I think one of the easiest ways to know sometimes is when you ask a, a parent how their son Johnny did this week. And they answer and they say, uh, well, uh, we won. Yeah. What? We won? You didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I don't mean to go too much off of that. But the truth of the matter is, that's a very interesting comment. Yeah. And enough people who've studied this that are smarter than me basically call that merging. You have basically merged. You, you are living vicariously through your kids. You are more excited about your kids' games oftentimes on the weekend or Friday nights when they're playing football than they are. Yeah. Um, and you're getting a lot from it. And that's what's really oftentimes controlling your character and conduct there, which we're talking about. So we have to be careful that we don't become so fanatical about sports. Um, we, we would rather be more zealous about about Christ. And um, and we, we just have to be very, very, very careful of parents that <clears throat> that we enter that environment of youth sports really loving God, uh, driven with the motivation to please him, uh, hating sin and, and wanting to walk away uh, doing that. And, and don't let this idolatry with our, our kids making a name for themselves, because that didn't work out real well in Genesis 11 right. with the Tower of Babel, right? I mean, like, if you read that 11.4, I believe, it's all about making a name for themselves. That's why they were building those towers, and um, God frustrated those efforts. And idolatry is something that we have a very jealous God. Yeah. And he does not want our hearts being woed by the passions of this world. Um, so I've got a challenge for you if you want, if you want to hear it. Yeah, Maybe. let's do it. Well, um, well, okay, right before I give that to you, oh boy, gee whiz, I have to give you a couple little thoughts from one of my favorite authors, okay? Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's a guy by the name, and, and you know, I was a sports junkie, like you alluded to. So I came out where I was watching sports when I wasn't watching sports. I know I was playing sports when I wasn't playing, I was watching when I wasn't watching, I was dreaming about sports. And so right. I totally was a sports junkie. And, and I think if any of you guys are a movie watchers, Fever Pitch was one of those great movies, yes. right? <laughs> and, and, and so, like, there's this one scene that after the Red Sox suffered yet another, like, heartbreaking loss, Jimmy Fallon's character um, and his friends are sitting, you know, so, like, uh, with their hands in their head at this bar in a local restaurant. And amidst their despair, one of the friends kind of, like, looks over and notices several of the Red Sox players – um, 
and they're um while they're in depression these guys at the bar damon nixon and veritech are eating and laughing yeah <laughs> and he goes like what in the world is going on we're sitting here dining on our guts over the red sox and their three members of the Red Sox eating with gusto. And uh, it, it's just so great because Fallon goes on to say, you know, why shouldn't they eat? They played hard. They did their best. Move on. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's so humorous because there are fans drowned in their sorrows in a loss when the players, you know, have had to kind of move on and sometimes those you know can affect us for you know a couple days or whatever you know yeah but um but you know this this modern day golden calf um uh, sports you know as i as i read through like one of my favorite favorite authors is a guy by the name of jerry bridges who yes unfortunately right you're familiar with him Uh, yes yes isn't he great uh practice of godliness and the um pursuit of holiness and um he has a quote and um it it talks about let me see if i can find it here for you i'm trying to trying to look it up um and and while i'm looking up i i do want us to know that that it truly like it's there is something metabolically that happens with uh endorphins when when we actually are watching our kids play i mean there are mri studies that show the the dopamine effect is is active when um the parents have thoughts of his or her child like achieving wow you know just just the thoughts of it yeah i mean it really it, it's really like it's very 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 fascinating uh jim Lore in his book uh the only way to win brings it up but but he has this quote thoughts of our children achieving extrinsic sports goal evoke in us more or less the same reaction that Pavlo's bell had on his dog, a physiological response agitating us to satisfy, satisfy a powerful um, urge. So like, wow, wow, right? I yeah. mean, isn't that incredible? Okay, here's what Jerry Bridges says. Uh, this, what is exactly, he's answering, what exactly is devotion? And he says, this is devotion to God, the fear of God, which is an attitude of reverence and awe, veneration and honor towards him, coupled with an apprehension deep within our souls of the love of God for us, mm. demonstrated preeminently in the atoning death of Christ. So basically, he's got these two attitudes, an attitude of reverence and awe, veneration and honor towards him, coupled with this great, deep apprehension within our souls of the love of God for us. And then these two attitudes complement and reinforce each other, producing within our souls an intense desire for this one who is so awesome in his glory and majesty yet so condescending in his love and mercy for us i mean it's just oh your name and your renown the desires of our heart in isaiah 26 8 i mean this 
it's just like, oh, I mean, that's what we long for to bring into this, I think, environment of competitive sports. And yeah. I don't know, Bridges kind of nails it. And he says, you know, our we have kind of this um, tendency towards worldliness. And he talks about, like, it's not about determining, and I think you've mentioned this, like, we can't say, okay, it's not about determining that we will not be worldly. Right. But it's a but it's committing ourselves to become more godly. And, 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 and that's like this, this, it begins with, and this is what I'm trying to get across, this love, this attitude for God. We want to be driven intrinsically because of our devotion to God to please him between the lines, Nate, on the sidelines and in the stands. Yeah. This begins with this passion for Christ. So I'm, I'm sorry to, to have gotten there a little bit, but that's, I'm really trying to drive this home. And this is crazy, Nate. This is crazy. But um, this is what we want. Our, this is what we want to train up our kids on. Yeah. But here's a crazy, maybe the greatest challenge I could ever offer to a father and, and some families. And, and like, I know some people are going to think I'm crazy. They'll never be able to do it. Hey, literally, I have some friends who really love the Lord. And, and this is this is true. Like, if they're watching their favorite team play and the, the team just did something good and you're watching the game with them, you can't get up and leave. Uh, because he, and, and, and if you left and they did something good, he won't let you back in the room. It's not a I'm dead serious because he believes like somehow that influenced the game. I mean, oh my word. Right. So, and he loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. Um, so here's, here's what I've had to do. I've had some success, some failures with this. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but what, um, I'm, I would challenge everybody on you ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. A forty-day sport fast. Mm. Uh oh, uh oh. But here's the thing: what's the purpose behind fasting? Right? I mean, we want to in, intentionally, and and I'm always just looking. I, I want this to be practical for us. So for me personally, what I needed to do was for seven days, for ten days, for thirty days. And eventually 40 days, like how do I in, increase my passion for God? Like sometimes I need to be reminded of just how great God is, not how great David Ortiz is. Yeah. yeah. I need to understand and sit on and meditate on and think about, you know, Jehovah Jireh. You know, the attributes of who my God is, this all-powerful, all-knowing God who's everywhere. This, this, this creator of like, what is it, 30 billion galaxies, the last count, I, you know, star, you know, this, um, look at it and know who he is, this great God. And that's, you know, that song that talks about like, 
what are we going to do when we get into his presence? Are we going to run to him? Are we going to fall on our face? But taking a time where we like, you know, in, intentionally increase our passion for God and intentionally decreasing our passion for sport. Mm. And I'm going to just put a challenge out there. It's not for everybody. If you don't do it, you're not some terrible sinner. But I'm going to put out a challenge there to uh, join me mm-hmm. on a 40-day sport fast. And uh, I'm going to give you a few days, give you a little bit of time to think about it. Um, and then on our next show, we'll announce the date in which we're going to start. Mm-hmm. And I know some of you already are going, oh, no, I hope it's not like during the World Series or <laughs> during football season or whatever. I can't promise you. Yeah. And, uh, but we're going, to, um, we're, we're going to go on this little journey together for those who seriously would like to increase their passion for God and decrease their passion for sport, believing that perhaps they're putting too much time into – you know, watching, reading, fantasy sport, you know, all of those things and want to make a correction in their life. And um, I think some of you are saying, oh, yeah, I I don't have a problem with this. I don't need to do that. Remember, that's what alcoholics say. Yeah. (laughs) Remember, that's what some druggies say. They don't have the problem. They can control it. You know, they can control control their consumption of alcohol right um i'm sure johnny manzel probably said that and 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 others you know and you know maybe ask you know if you're a dad maybe ask your wife if if your your passion you're maybe a little bit of a sports addict they might be able to shine some some light on that you know but again i'm not trying to heap condemnation on people or this judgment or whatever i'm just going this is the reality i'm being transparent with my heart with you and uh i don't want to get to that time where we're standing before the lord and and me going what in the world i, I don't think i'm going to be saying oh i wish i would have watched you know one more game you know or i would have picked up this player for my fantasies team that would i don't think that's what we're going to be saying you know right i think want to be sure that uh, we were passionate about God and each and every day that we could be convicted in a court of law for being incredibly passionate about God. Um, and, and that'll set us up for next week, how that's going to play itself out in the environment that is for us. Very good. Um, and if it's okay, Brian, I just, I, I want to reemphasize, you know, to people because yeah, please. I, I think people can get the idea about us being too legalistic about this. I think people in this can become too legalistic. I've seen people with really good intentions about doing things like fasting um, just get too legalistic where they start to look around and evaluate everyone else and what they're doing and say, well, why aren't you doing this thing? And, you know, families who decide they're going to give TV up. And they just, you know, for them as a family unit, they just make a decision. You know what? For us, we don't watch a lot of TV and it's just not that big of a deal. So we just decided to get rid of it. And then you have this subsequent series of families that follow that example. 
Um, and then you have those families who then become embittered and enraged at families who have TV. Um, so we just want to make it super clear that if, if you don't do this, let's say that uh, to me, the best way to make this decision would be as a family, you know, getting your wife and your family involved saying, is this a, is this a problem that I have as a father, as a family? Is this a problem that we have with this? And if honestly you evaluate yourself and say, no, it's not, but you know what? We still want to participate in the fast. We still want to join in and, and, you know, really dedicate any time that we would have, you know, used at watching sports to just getting to know God better as a family, you know, setting aside that time, you know, please feel free to do that. If, if you decide, you know what, you know, we, we watch our Sunday, our, our Sunday night football or our Monday night football. And that's really the only sports that we watch. Um, and we really, you know, that we, maybe you do that as a family. So maybe watching that actually brings you together as a family and you're like, we're just not going to participate in that. Then, then, okay, that's fine. You know, we're not here hall monitoring and policing that saying you have to do this. Um, so please just remember this is, this is something that is, uh, well, really it, it, it's literally between you and God because, you know, doing this podcast, there's no way we can go around and monitor and police it. And even if we could, we wouldn't want to do that. So, um, I love how you said that, Brian, we want to encourage you to do this. Um, you know, I, I have it easy, Brian, because, you know, I, I, I don't really watch sports anyway. So right. when you're like, right. hey, 40 day fast, uh, you know, I'm, I'm jumping up going, I'll do 80. Um, yeah. So, you know, but yeah. I do know for some people, this is going to be hard. And I know for you specifically, Brian, because of how how much you love sports and how invested you are in sports, that this is going to be a a more difficult thing for you as well. So I know that while I could sit back and be like, yeah, whatever, I know that you're going to be in the trenches with people really praying for them and really, even though you don't know them and you haven't met them, you're going to be praying for them that God will use this time to reevaluate and open up their hearts and minds to how they can, at the end of this 40 days, use sports to his honor and glory. Because I, I would love to challenge you that after the 40 days is up, uh, you know, to, to re-engage in sports and in the sports community in that fashion, because I really, I believe that God will use these things to his honor and glory. But first, I think we do need a reset on our lives in, in prioritizing things properly. Yeah, no doubt about it. Good words. And I, I think fasting is all about making a, a correction in our lives at times. You know, we, we need to do it, you know, probably on a yearly basis and in different ways, you know. Um, but it, it is to in, increase our, our passion, our, our love for God. And yeah, plenty of people like yourself, Nate, won't need to do it. They've got a really good balance on it. Um, but then there's plenty of us who, uh, I was with a gentleman the other day, I forgot we were at some family thing, you know, oh, we were playing games somewhere. And, you know, there's the phone and, uh, you know, you've got, he's got like his fantasy team he's keeping up with and stuff there, you know, like while you're playing a family game or whatever, you know, he's telling me about. And I think when I was saying, it's not wrong, it's not bad, it's not horrible in itself. 
But sometimes it's got more of a grip on our lives than we realize. Right. And we're putting in so many hours on the weekends to this that I think there would be some wives and some children would say, you know, hey, it's not just it, it, it's not just uh, studying God's word. That will be part of what this fast is about. But we also are going to replace it with having doing some things we haven't been doing, like being with our neighbors, having some friends over to do things. Um, as a family, let's do some other things together that we haven't been doing um, because we're stuck watching a game for two and a half, three hours or somewhere, <laughs> whatever, be, you know, uh, ruled by it and all. So, and some people think we're, you know, we've, I've absolutely lost my mind. That's okay. I know my heart right. and I know where it's checked. And I know where I want my heart to be and I need to do corrections at different times. And 40 days is a long time. Yeah. And it's wicked, wicked hard. But next week, um, you know, we'll talk about it. You know, who knows? Maybe we'll put like an abbreviated one for some people who just want to journey with us over two weekends. So maybe we'll make it like 10 days. Sure. And what we'll do is I, I might even set up a, a little, we'll get them on my Twitter account or whatever. And we'll, you know, each day I'll be, you know, putting some different things to um, make the transition to some thoughts to have that day with regards to the greatness of God, you know, permeating our, our thoughts. and our. All right, Nate. That sounds great. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to, uh, this one was a little longer, but I think, um, I think setting up and establishing a challenge like that, it's important that we go longer and really, you know, have people understand the basis of, of the motivation and the heart behind this. Um, and so I, I think this is a perfect thing to sign off with because it's only through the glory of the impossible that our hearts and minds are changed toward loving God. And so, you know, we're just going to sign off. Don't forget about the glory of the impossible. <laughs>